Global law and global business go hand in hand, but never seem to keep pace with each other. The importance on the global stage of developing and developed nations waxes and wanes while consumption and interconnectedness steadily increase. All the while, laws and regulations change incessantly, requiring businesses to stay nimble. But how do we make sense of it all? Welcome to Global Law and Business, hosted by Harris Brickens International Business Attorneys. I'm Fred Rockford. And I'm Jonathan Bench. Every week, we take a targeted look at legal and economic developments in locales around the world as we try to decipher global trends in law and business with the help of international experts. We cover continents, countries, regimes, governance, finance, legal developments, and whatever is trending on Twitter. We cover the important, the seemingly unimportant, the relatively simple, and the complex. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Please connect with us on social media to comment and suggest future topics and guests. Lingling Zhang was born and raised in China. In 2000, after finishing her master's degree at Nanjing University, Lingling traveled to the U.S. to attend the University of Maryland at College Park to pursue a PhD in computer science and technology. During her study in the U.S., Lingling realized that computer science was not her passion, but she was very attracted to nonprofit causes and their work. After leaving her PhD program, Lingling volunteered in multiple nonprofit organizations, worked in the IT industry, and studied nonprofit management. In 2013, Lingling met doTERRA, an essential oil nutraceutical company based in Utah. In 2015, she quit her promising IT management job and became a full-time doTERRA leader. Lingling is a presidential diamond, the top rank in doTERRA, and also a member of doTERRA's China's Founders Club. Lingling, welcome to Harris Brickens Global Law and Business. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Fred. Thank you for having me. Lingling, welcome to Global Law and Business. Both Jonathan and I have had the experience of moving from the U.S. to China, but we are very curious as to what that experience is like the other way. So could you please share with us what your immigration experience was like? How have you been received in the, in the U.S. in general terms? My experience from uh, moving from China to U.S., I think it's pretty smooth. I came here as a student studying in a, in a university. So the environment is uh, relatively um, simple and, you know, just a learning environment. And I focused on my study for the first few years. And then I uh, moved on to working and then raising my own family here. So the, the whole experience, I feel, is um, very good. I, I like it. And I like the value and culture that U.S. Have, have, has here. And, and I feel like it's that value and culture that led me to U.S. Um, interestingly, I, <clears throat> I thought about immigrate or, you know, studying at least to like in a smaller country like Singapore. But when I visit Singapore while I was still in China, you know, doing my graduate school, I felt like, no, this is not the place I want, <laughs> you know. But then, um, you know, we watch a lot of U.S. movies, uh, even in China. And I felt like those values uh, in those movies kind of called for me. And I felt really resonant and moved by those. And then I just 
thought to myself, why not go to U.S., right? So I studied, you know, prepared all the uh, studies and tests and applied to the graduate school here. Yeah, so I was admitted and I came here. Everybody was so nice and friendly. I think it's exactly how I imagined. <laughs> so I'm really glad I'm here. And of course, the learning the language, right, the culture, the food, these are new. But, um, but I think the uh, U.S. provides the flexibility and freedom so that we can have more choices. For example, food, of course, I, I'm used to Chinese food. And we have the option to cook our own food in our home, so we don't need to be stuck with the you know US food all the time right so we have the options and so for language wise i do think that is very very important if you are to move to a different country or live or work there because language is the way to communicate and so we do need to have uh, good language skills in order to be successful there be you know living a happy life there because if you can't communicate with the people locally, you will be, you will feel lonely and isolated, right? So that, and you know, luckily, I think I have the talent of uh, language. So I feel pretty much um, immersed and blended into US uh, society. Did I recall you saying that you are also studying Spanish right now? Yes, I'm planning to. I love learning languages. Back in China, I tried Italian, German, but just a little bit, like a, just scratch the surface. Um, never really delve in because I didn't need, need to use that language, right? It was just an interest. But of course, English, I needed to use it. So that's probably the best foreign language I had. But I'm, I'm, I love traveling the world. So would it be cool to speak the local language when you go there? So I plan to learn different languages. So Spanish is my next one that I'm going to seriously study. <laughs> um, yes. So that's my plan. And do you have something on the list after Spanish? I'm, I'm the same way, right? I'm studying Spanish right now after learning Cantonese and Mandarin. So I'm always curious to hear what other people are interested in. Like, for instance, I love the sound of Russian, um, you know, from a business perspective, we don't do a lot of business with Russia. And I don't work for a government agency that would have given me a reason to study Russian. So I'm, I'm kind of stuck. But I think kind of growing up, in the Cold War era that Russia was always the boogeyman. And so I think I've always just been fascinated with the, the way the language sounds. <laughs> That's cool. Well, the next one after Spanish might be German because last year I had the chance to travel with my son to Switzerland and Germany. And my son has already decided he's going to go to Germany to do maybe study abroad uh, on the neuroscience that he's interested in. And they have really good, you know, neuroscience and psychology programs there. And I love Switzerland. And I, I think I will live there one day. So having that language is also very important. Fascinating. So uh, one more question on your movement from China to the U.S., was your experience typical, would you say, of your classmates uh, wanting to have some experience abroad? Um, or were you seen as an outlier, you know, saying, well, I want to go study in the States? And people said, well, why would you do that? There's plenty of opportunity in China. How was that received? 
Well, people like the idea of going abroad,、uh, especially to U.S. to study. That's、um, that that's being respected, first of all.、Uh, but but not, of course, not everybody think they can do it, right? Even though they think, oh, that's a great idea or great、um, move, but. Some people think, no, I'm not. My English is not good enough. You know, I'm not good enough. So not that many actually try to come. But I think if if you want to do something and you really try, you will end up, you know, doing that thing. Just some people just give up too easily, I guess. So moving to U.S. or studying U.S. is something sought after or respected in China. I mean, nobody's、uh, surprised or. Would say why would you do that? No, they will say great. Even now, people still, as long as they have the opportunity or they can, they have the you know financial support, they all want to come to U.S. to study because you know we all know U.S.、Um, education is、uh, very different than China, and it has its own merits. I would say, and of course, it presents the most developed country, and. It's just an attraction to China to Chinese people. So in your in your IT classes, I'm curious how you know what was the culture like in your IT classes, and even here in the United States, I would say the IT field is still predominantly male. And so, curious what your experience was in school, and then you know when you came to the U.S., did, was that experience any different being an IT than you than you think it would have been if you had been an IT professional in China? Uh, yes, that、uh, ratio is probably the universal. When I was in university, my class we had a total one hundred thirty students, and out of that one hundred thirty, about twenty five are girls. So were girls. So it's pretty small ratio, and so I didn't work. I was I finished my bachelor's and I moved on to、uh, graduate school. Did the masters, but during the masters, of course, we work with the pro- professors, right? We have labs and we have projects.、Um, our my professor, my advisor,、um, he was fluent in Japanese, so we always did the projects with the Fujitsu company in Japan,、um, and I even traveled to Japan for the business. The environment in China, I mean, I didn't work there, but from Nowadays, I heard it, it's very, very stressful, and people work overtime all the time. It's the norm in China. Like if you're working IT, you gotta work maybe sixty hours a week, not forty hours. Jiu Jiu, is that the Jiu Jiu Liu? Jiu 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 Liu. What is that? I read that in an article once about the. Uh, hours for IT professionals,、uh, or maybe it was just startup in general, right? It was the you work from nine to nine, six days a week, right? Jiu Jiu. Oh, pretty much. I think so. I think it's very stressful. I just heard from you know my 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 classmates or people I know.、Uh, although they earn you know good living, but time wise they are like deprived. <laughs> they they married to the job basically. Uh, but here、um, in U.S., the good thing is, you know, people respect two-day weekends, right? And nine to five is very much respected and observed. But of course, once in a while, you have to、uh, you have to work overtime. 
I don't know about the COVID situation though, because I I haven't been in that field. I feel like people are working more hours when they work from home because they can access it from home too. But、uh, overall, overall, U.S. has much more work-life balance than China. At least the weekends were observed, I think, for most most of the IT professionals. So that's my experience. So you ultimately decided to leave IT. We'd like to hear more about why you did that, and if you've regretted moving away from IT into the nonprofit world and and now into nutraceuticals. Would you say that your IT skills have transferred well, or do you feel like you've had a steep learning curve moving from such a technical area into、uh, a less technical field? That's a good question. So the decision to leave IT uh, was um, not well accepted by my families because they've always, you know, seen me working, studying in the IT field. Um, but for me, it was a natural switch because I was following my heart. When I met DoTerra, I was just a user. I was searching for a natural, safe, effective products for my own family. But after I used it for a while, I felt like I I was so empowered, and I wanted to empower others because that was always my dream and mission. You would say when I was even a child,、um, always wanted to help others. And I felt like DoTerra is a good tool to, you know, to help others. So I started sharing DoTerra, just but on the on the side of my IT job, right? So I used all my free time to do DoTerra on the side, and sharing, teaching, and helping people around the world, and and I felt really satisfied and fulfilled. And so the more I I did on that, the more people I helped. I felt that that's what I'm supposed to do, you know. So every day when I drove to work, of course you were stuck in the traffic for one hour, one way, and I felt like this is wasting of my life. Why am I just sitting here? Where whereas I could have been helping someone, you know. Otherwise, so that this feeling of like wasting my life gets stronger and stronger, and. I I really wanted to quit my job, but of course my family thought I was crazy, <laughs> so they wouldn't agree. So I had to do continue to do my IT and DoTerra at the same time for another year or so, and so, but finally I couldn't take any more, you know, on both jobs because my teams are growing bigger. They needed more, you know. More help, support from me, and I wanted to, you know, devote all my time to DoTerra. So I finally said I, I couldn't do this anymore. I have to quit. So at that time, my family kind of、uh, yielded back. They said, "Okay, we see you struggle. We we know, you know, it's it's been hard for, on you. Why don't you go try for a year, right? And if it didn't work out." You can always come back to the work, which is true. My bosses even say, "Anytime you want to back, you know, we will have you、uh, happily." So, so I left. Of course, I knew I would never go back to IT. <laughs> In my heart, I knew I wouldn't miss IT because I found my passion with DoTerra, with the natural products, and how it can empower others as well. So, yeah, so I, I happily quit quit my job and. 
you know, devoted all my time, energy, and heart into this uh, business. And, you know, I became uh, successful in this because I had the whole heart, you know, whole heart and mind into this. Um, my IT skills, yes, they served me well, I should say. So I'm thankful for my experiences in the IT world and the training I received as an IT professional because we are good problem solvers, right? And so once there's a problem, because we have problems anywhere in any business, any part of life, right? We always have problems. So my habit is whenever a problem arises, I just say, okay, what's the solution? I never even thought about complaining anything. I just, the, the, the first reaction was, what's the solution? <laughs> what's the cause? What's the solution? So go directly into problem solving. And so that logical part of my brain, how, how it works, uh, really, you know, um, served in this business because when you move into a business, like you're, you are the boss, right? You will encounter many, many problems. So um, I think um, the, the, the logical training of my brain really served me in, in solving the problems. And the analytical skills helped me understand the numbers, right? Numbers and then the uh, compensation plans and all these, like you need your logical and, uh, and number skills uh, they really helped me, um, you know, served me. But of, of course, that technology, we use so much technology in our businesses, in our lives nowadays, right? Because of my technology background, uh, you know, I'm not afraid of trying any new technology or, you know, troubleshooting or getting to work. That was not an issue for me, whereas uh, it's uh, many people's fear, technology right they are they may be good at marketing they may be good at um, uh, teaching or selling but they are afraid of technology so you know I have I have some strength here but of course I needed to learn something else other than the technology and problem solving which is you know how to talk with people how to communicate how to teach and then how to uh, share and and lead a team those skills were not natural to me or not i i didn't have as training or practiced right so yes it's a learning curve it's a growing i would say it's a growing journey self-growth journey and i'm really 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 grateful for that um, for this seven years of experience doing doTERRA the best reward is the self-growth and yeah so I think I have uh, grown so much in this field the people relationship people skills communication skills leadership skills yeah so I um, I feel you know I'm grateful for my past IT experience and trainings but I'm also grateful for the current uh, business trainings in recent years, recent decades, we have seen companies like doTERRA really grow into large international companies, household names, if you will. Uh, why do you think that we're, we're seeing this, this trend? You know, what is it about your industry that is, that is driving such growth? With Jonathan being based in Utah and with our, with our firm uh, having, having also an interest in, in, in that market, we 
are seeing many others uh, that are also based based in Utah uh, uh, undergoing this the same trajectory. So we'd love to hear your thoughts about that. Yes, uh, I think this is a great trend. It shows that people around the world are starting to focus or see the importance of health, right? All these um, companies, big uh, nutrition or, you know, uh, essential oils or nutraceutical, these are focused on the health and wellness comparing to health care, which is actually sick care. When you are sick, you go to, go to doctor and hospital. People around the world realize how important it is to take care of your body before you get sick, during your everyday life, how you can keep your body energized and have strong immunity, right? Uh, being able to uh, defend itself when some threats occurs. So this is a great trend that we see around the world. People start to take care of their bodies, their physical health, their emotional health. So these companies, the reason why they grow so much, of course, they meet the needs of the people, but also the products they provide are more and more you will see towards natural Okay, natural products. That's another great trend, because as as smart as we are, uh, as um, advanced as our technology can develop into, which is a great thing. We we depend on our technologies nowadays, but some things we just can replace the nature, and we shouldn't try to replace the nature. Nature is where we live in and we we can we can never replace this nature so some things are just need to be natural okay for example health so natural health is starting to get more and more attention in people's um you know world and concepts their their awareness i should say because of the discovery of the side effects and and it's getting more and more open, this information, right, with the, you know, Internet. More and more people are starting to realize the side effects of the modern medication can cause a lot of harm. So people are starting to wonder and, and then actually go back to the nature, which, which is to me, of course, I'm a person who like pursues natural. And I am really happy that people are starting to doing that because, um, Nature is unreproducible and it's uh, not replaceable either. So these companies, when they focus on natural products, so they are well-received and also they are effective, right? People use them. First of all, they are safe, right? No harm there. And then when they see they are also very effective, of course, people welcome and love them and use them every day, right? So... Um, I think uh, this trend that you see that, you know, international uh, companies like this growing fast is, is a great thing. And I also believe this will help protect the environment. Once people start to use these natural products, they will respect, they will be grateful, they will thank the nature for these gifts, right? So in return, people will be more conscious about protecting our nature. One other thing I want to mention is um, 
it takes some some time to learn about these products, how to use them effectively, safely, right? And before people may be relying on other people to take care of their health. Every person, I think, they know something about their body and how you know these herbs can help them. And with these natural products coming in, they require the learning. So it's it's a good thing, and and we should be people should be more responsible for their own health and their family's health. Big turning point. I grew up in a very healthy household where my mother would dump our soda down, you know, down the drain, right? If she saw it in the fridge. So very healthy, very healthy house. And uh, for me, the big changer has been being able to have data that I could study and also just data about myself. Like I, I recently finally got on the smartwatch trend and uh, I actually love tracking my personal data. I don't input every calorie or all the water I drink in the day, but I do love knowing about my resting heart rate, you know, my uh, kind of what my heart rate is while I'm exercising, um, you know, my oxygen saturation when I'm sleeping, all this, it's extremely interesting to learn uh, and have this individualized data that we can then say, oh, well, my body is different than my wife's or my children's. And, you know, and what I put in and, and how much I exercise and, and how much sleep I get, those all affect how I feel each day. And so it is, I think, to your point about, uh, you know, making us more aware and also more respectful, right? I mean, I, I've always respected nature, but I feel even more so now that that as we're trying to uh, you're trying to live, uh, you know, more in harmony with nature rather than just stripping it of the resources and leaving it for bare. Uh, I, I feel like uh, that resonated with me with me quite a bit. Yes, I agree. So let's change topics now and talk a little bit more about your international experience. You, you uh, we've known each other for quite a few years, and uh, you're probably more of an interla- internationalist than I knew at, at the time when we first met many years ago in Virginia. Um, so you, now you're overseeing many in, international teams from your home base in the U.S. Uh, I'd like to hear more about how you do that, you know, and what have you learned about yourself as you've become more international and you've engaged even more with your international teams? Um, and, uh, you know, does that give you any insights into how we can or should be doing business across borders? Yes, I've always uh, seen myself as an international citizen, like world citizen, right? Um Interestingly, I that is not very common in in my peers or you know in China, and uh, but I I always have this had had this strong feeling like um, there shouldn't be so divided you know countries and you know people we are all people you know we are very similar now that I travel more to every continent. I, I meet people, I make friends with people from different cultures. I see that more and more. We are same people. We have the same desires. We we want, you know, health, happiness, and family, and we want self-growth, right? We want to realize our life's purpose. That's all our basic needs. So really, uh, different culture, background, language, race, whatever colors, they are just like, you know, uniqueness every, of uh, different colors, right, in the world. They they don't define who, who we are. We are all same people. So with that international perspective in my mind, I share, you know, oils with everybody I meet. And, you know, in return, 
I have members or teams um, in different countries and cultures, and I love it. the The challenge it comes is the time difference, um, because we only have twenty four hours a day, and we work on different clocks. So the the challenge for me is time management. Right? How do I work people in different time zones? So,、uh, well, with my main teams in China and U.S., it, 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 I've you know gotten used to manage these two locations、uh, because they are actually not that bad.、Uh, in the summertime, it's twelve hours apart. In the wintertime, it's thirteen hours apart. So, not not too much uh, uh, calculation there. But with other people in, you know, Europe or Africa, that I have to like think what time is it for them, right?、Uh, but overall, I think it's a it's a good challenge to have because we all need to work on our time management, right, or、uh, activity management, whatever, to make us、um, more uh, efficient uh, in what we do. So.、Um, So I think uh, from uh, international perspective, working with people,、um, not so much as I said, people are pretty much、um, same.、Uh, sometimes the way of thinking or communication can be different, but deep inside, our desires, our wants and needs are the same. So not a lot of difference there. The only thing is,、uh, you know, language, time, and.、Um, Sometimes the way how you say it, right, more direct or more rhetoric, or you know how you how you express yourself, how you communicate, could be different. But、um, but to me, I didn't feel like I have to be different person to to deal with different parts of the world. So that that I love, I can be just me, you know, be authentic, and work with、uh, people from all over the world. And so, as far as the business over the borders, I I, I like that. I love that、um, because I think that the future trend it will be it will be more and more like the Earth is a is a village, right? The world village. So、uh, with right now, it's separated. Separation comes, but. The trend, the overall trend, will be more openness, cross the borders, borders. Okay, and the business, of course, wants to take advantage of this benefits. And as I said, like the the products like、um, DoTerra or other、uh, nutrition company, these are all human beings' basic needs, right? Every person needs that health and wellness. So why not? Go cross the border, and serve and help more people around the world, and、uh, also the the resources like the distribution of resources, like DoTerra is a U.S. company,、um, but it, the purpose is to help the world, right? So when you do business, when you have a business overseas,、uh, you naturally. Are in that environment. You know the country. You know the people. You know the culture. You know their needs, and you will be able to help them better, right? What they need, 
So, um, so I think the businesses、uh, nowadays they are not just doing strictly just business, you know, business selling or earning money. They also have this social responsibility to help make、um, make make the world a better place, to help people where they、um, where they have business with. So it's two way, both ways. People serve each other. So in that sense, I think、uh, it's really,、uh, really, really good to have the businesses、um, go across the countries, go across the、uh, borders, to help and serve more people. Lingling, Ling, we've really enjoyed our conversation today. And before we let you go, we'd like to ask for any recommendations that you might have for our listeners. Okay, thank you, Fred.、Um, so before I go,、um, I would like to share some of the books.、Um, there are many, but、uh, some some of them that made a big difference in me. Okay, I learned a lot from them. So some are books, but some are like videos、uh, you can watch on YouTube.、Um, the first one I want to. Recommend is、uh, a very classic old book called "How to Win Friends and Influence People." This is by Dale Carnegie, and in nineteen thirties, right? But his principles, his、uh, teachings are still true today. Is how do you work with people? How do you become a better friend to others? Right, so you can. Uh, influence or help serve others in a better way. So that book is really good. If someone, if anyone wants to work on their people relationship, you know, communication skills. And the next one I want to recommend is the Magic of Thinking Big. Magic of Thinking Big. This one really, really inspirational. And、um, have a big dream. Have a big dream. We're all noble beings. We're all divine beings. We are here to、uh, fulfill our purpose. So, don't be afraid to dream big. So, the magic of thinking big by David Schwartz, and of course Stephen Covey's "The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People" help you work more effectively, more、uh, efficiently, and the the secret. The secret. There's a documentary. The secret opens up your mind. That that one is like I I watched it three times within a week. I just had to like watch over and over again. It really really changed your mindset towards the world. Okay, towards yourself. And yeah, and there are many many、uh, books and or listen. I like to use Audible to listen to books so I can do. Multitasking, but、um, if you drive a lot, you know, if you don't have a block of time, I recommend you know using Audible so you can listen to books. Of course, if you love natural products, you love to learn about more、uh, essential oils, which is which is what I do. I recommend you to go on you know DoTerra.com to learn about what essential oils are,、uh, how they can be used for. So yeah, so that's my recommendations for you. My recommendation this week is a collection of short stories called Hong Kong Noir, and it's actually part of a rather large、um, series of、um, 
noir books. Um, you know, I'm sure they have a Seattle noir and Paris noir, etc. Um, but I, I found that the the, the stories in, in in the Hong Kong book, at least, were um, mostly mostly uh, pretty good. And I actually went through the book very very quickly. Uh, admittedly, I I like this um, th- this kind of I mean I like fiction I like short stories and I I like things that have that that kind of um, dark undertone to it um, talking about crime the occult things like things like that so if you if you have any interest in Hong Kong I would I would definitely recommend um, picking up a, a a copy but just more generally it it was a it was a good read really really good window into into some of the idiosyncrasies of, of, of the city and the kind of things that um, rattle Hong Kongers. Uh, I actually went ahead and ordered a, a, one of the other books in the series. Um, that, that's how, how impressed I was with, with this one. The, again, the title of the book is Hong Kong Noir, and its uh, editors are Jason Y. Ng and... Susan Blomberg Kaysen. That that's mine. Jonathan, what about you? What do you have for us uh, today? I'm recommending a long form article by a former uh, Australian diplomat and journalist named John Garneau, and it's probably Garnot, but he's Australian, so I'm not sure. Um, it's called "Engineers of the Soul: Ideology in Xi Jinping's China." And this was reposted on uh, cynicism. So this was actually a speech that he gave in 2017 to a bunch of Australian government ministers about China and particularly about Xi Jinping and uh, how his um, kind of his communist thought legacy, um, you know, how his personal interpretation and, and what we can see through Mao Zedong and through the other uh, communist revolutionaries who inspired Mao Zedong uh, in Russia, particularly, um, how that's all tied together in the way China is being run by uh, by Premier Xi Jinping. It is a uh, it is a long read and it's quite thick at times because uh, you might have to grab Google to really uh, make sure you're following all the right characters and and understanding the uh, the author's quite quite robust vocabulary. But I would say that if you're really interested in understanding why China is the way it is right now and and why it will be the way it is as long as Xi Jinping is in power and really as long as the Communist Party is in power in China, um, it's a really fascinating read and certainly worth uh, the hour or so you'll spend in the article. Ling Ling, we want to thank you for again for being with us today. It's been uh, great to hear about your perspective, your adventures moving from China to the U.S. and, and now from the U.S. to other parts of the world. Uh, we look forward to catching up with you again and I look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan and Fred. Again, thank you for this opportunity. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We look forward to connecting with you on social media to continue discussing developments in global law and business. This podcast was produced by Harris Bricken with executive producer Madeline Williams, music composed by Stephen Schmidt. Tune in next week for another episode. We'll see you then. Thank <laughs> you.